last evening I was uh, on the internet and uh, looking at, at the latest news and trying to look at some things. And, and I noticed um, uh, the advertisements, I, not only the pop-ups that come up, but, but on television too, I've noticed a lot later, there, there are advertisements for, um, um, is, it, is, it, is, is it called preppers? People for extra food, to be prepared for extra food supply. Uh, water and and maybe if you know if you if the power goes out are you going to have you're going to have light you're going to have heat and all this stuff and and I got to looking last night man there is all kinds of websites uh, with suggestions and information and of course products that they sell with with all that and boy I thought that just fits right in with uh, with what I want to talk about today is called uh, or has been designated set aside uh, as an international day of prayer. For the persecuted church, and uh, and and I'm thinking, man, not just one Sunday, but but every day as the Holy Spirit leads, we need to be in prayer one for another. But but the the fact of the matter is that we are living in a time when the persecution of Christians has been has now has come to the forefront, and uh, and and we're seeing that. So this morning, with that in mind, and with the preppers in mind, I want to talk to you about preparing for persecution should and if or when and if it should come so i want to i want to ask you are you a prepper for persecution um and uh it, it's it's real we've seen it it's been brought into our living rooms and into our lives by the the inhumane and the brutality of radical islam with the with the beheadings and with the crucifixions and all unspeakable kinds of torture and and death that they have come up with and then to the radical Hinduism, I talked to talk to people that are in India serving now in other uh, large Hindu areas of Hindu population, and it seems that the that the radical Hinduism has been emboldened by what's been happening in, around the world, and so now their attack on Christians has become more and more um, uh, frequent and and open. And uh, we've got a short DVD. And just let me preface this by saying it's a, it's a true story, based on a true story. I've edited out a lot of it that was, uh, that was captioned. Uh, young man, young pastor, 25 years old, shows up in a village. Uh, he's obviously from, from this area, but he's a Christian now. He shows up, and because he's a Christian and sharing the gospel, the men, the Hindu men of the village, uh, beat him and throw him in an open, an open grave and thinking he's dead. His name is Suda, S-U-T-A, and we're going to pick up where one of the persecutors, the man who led the persecution, his wife said, you need to go see if he's alive or dead, and he brings him back home. We're just going to pick up right here with him. Suta did recover, and four days after leaving our village, he came back again. Now my wife and I follow Jesus, and Suta is our pastor. When you pray for the persecuted, please remember to also pray for those who persecute. For us, it may be the only way we will see the love of God.
two things I want you to file away that we're going to come back to is the, the, the voice and the, the testimony of the man who was a persecutor. And remember what he said? He said, pray for those who persecute because this may be the only way that we see Christ. <clears throat> That's what happened here. And then at the caption at the end, when uh, Pastor Suda, <clears throat> I'm a simple man, he thought, I thought, I'm a simple man, I'm nothing without prayer. And remember that, I'm gonna go get my water out here, didn't know I was gonna do this. Chad, got it for me. Thanks, Chad. So the persecution is, is, is real. And um, it's real here. And the news just currently this, this week, in um, Washington State, you probably heard of uh, Coach Joe Kennedy. Coach Joe Kennedy is a, uh, was a military, uh, retired military. I think 25 years he served our country. I was assistant, been assistant football coach in a high school there in Washington. Had been praying, had a habit of that he would go to the 50-yard line after the game and he would just kneel and offer a silent prayer. And uh, that became uh, very disturbing to the school district. They sent him a letter, told him... <clears throat> To stop praying, that if he didn't stop praying, they would uh, take action against him. Pastor Joe said, I fought for these freedoms. I fought for the right to, to at least pray. Uh, and uh, so he refused to stop. This week, he was uh, Thursday, last Thursday night was their, their game, their home game. And uh, he, was, uh, he was removed from the sidelines. He sat up in the bleachers <clears throat> with the spectators. And after the game was over, he went and prayed. But it's, it's uh, he's on paid leave while they decide if they can, uh, if, while, uh, <coughs> excuse me, things are, are, it's just a persecution that's going on. Wait a minute. Or if you were in, heard the news or may have seen a Facebook from a town called, I don't know if it's K-A-T-Y, Katy, Katy, Texas this week, school board here and there. Uh, Janet Woolley, W-O-O-L-E-Y. She was a seventh grader, middle school. And uh, I, Jackie showed it to me on Facebook. She uh, was standing in front of the uh, school board meeting. And, uh, and she was telling how in, the, in her class, in seventh grade class, teacher's assignment was to deny the existence of God. And uh, how she couldn't do that. And uh, when she refused to do that, the teacher said, if you don't do that, you'll receive a failing grade. And uh, the intimidation that went along from a teacher in a middle school to a seventh grader in Texas. Now, those are this week. Now, and again, those seem like mild forms of persecution. But if it's your husband or if it's your wife and it's their job uh, that's on the line. And, and know that in a lot of countries now where persecution has become more physical and more open forms of persecution, that, uh, that it started out oftentimes with this, the subtle, you can't get a job, you can't go to this position, and you can't go to that position. So we're talking about something that's very, very real, and it's, it's, it's been thrust upon us. And I want to share with you this morning what I feel like is, is so important, five truths to help us become preppers for persecution. Five truths to help us become preppers for persecution. The key text is going to be from the third chapter of 1 Peter, and we're going to read it from verse 10 through verse 18, and then, uh, then we're going to go some other places. But uh, just notice, it says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. 
And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it's better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, that the just, the just for the unjust, that he might bring unto us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Now, the epistle of uh, this letter uh, that Peter wrote to the Christians there in the first century was, uh, was written to Christians who were, who were no strangers to persecution, the, the text is, is, is full of, uh, of information that lets us know that they were being persecuted. We're going to take a look at some of those from the first chapter, uh, verses 5 and 6. He says, and, though, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Chapter 4 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange was happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder or stealing or making trouble or prying into other people's affairs. But it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. Now, and, and Craig's going to hang on here just a second. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. I, I, was, I was studying this this week and I don't think I'd ever noticed this before. We talk about it's important to hear the gospel, right? The good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that we can't ever be righteous enough to, to inherit eternal life. We can't ever be good enough. It's not merited on the basis of our goodness because all our goodness is, is like rubbish. But, it's, but not only just to, to know the gospel and to hear the gospel, but notice this. There is a part of the gospel that is to be obeyed. The retreat this weekend is what's it going to take? What's it going to take for the world to see Jesus and to be purposeful one person at a time praying, God, who would you have me to pray for? Who would you have me to, 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 to minister to? Who would you have me to be a friend with so that I can share the gospel with you? Part of the gospel says that we're to, that we're to make disciples to, in all the world. And this scripture says that there's a terrible fate that awaits those who do not obey God's good news. Let's go on. That's another message. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he 
will never fail you. First, John, uh, First Peter chapter five. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember, now look at this. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering or persecutions that you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he'll restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. So how do we, how do we prepare so that we're victorious in overcoming when and if persecution comes our way. Five things. And the first one is, uh, from, is right here from chapter 3. And uh, it says, the first one is, don't worry, be happy. And uh, this, is not the glib, this is not a glib takeoff of the, uh, of, of the bygone days when it was just uh, carefree. But it's, uh, it's, 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 instead of that, it's the calming confidence in the truth of God's word. Look in chapter 3, verse 14. He says, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake... Happy are you. Look at chapter 14, verse, I mean, chapter 4, verse 14. And if you're reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. So there is a joy, there is a blessing that is promised, and we, that for those who are persecuted for Christ. And, and we, we wonder how that's possible, but when we look at verse 14 of chapter 4, it tells us why. It says, Happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. God's Holy Spirit, God's glory, and God's presence are resting. And they are the, they are the, 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 the vehicle of this joy. They're the vehicle of this presence, of the happiness of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, 11, and 12. Jesus was talking uh, in this part of the, part of the, the uh, what is that, the Beatitudes, this, this great message. He says, blessed are you which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice. This blessed, blessed, that means happy. Oh, how happy. Happy, oh, how happy. And here he says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And then he tells us why. Look, why? First of all, because you have a great reward in heaven. How can we be happy and not worry? Because God has reserved for those who are persecuted for the gospel a great reward reward in heaven. Now, if, call, if God calls a reward a reward, and then he calls it a great reward, I'm thoroughly convinced that it's a great reward. It's reserved for us, that's for those that are persecuted. And not only that, but look at the next phrase. My dad used to always say, you can tell a lot by the company you keep. Okay? All right. Uh, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We're in good company. 
when we're persecuted. Jesus was sharing this to the believers there when he was alive on earth. And he was saying, hey, they have persecuted the Old Testament prophets that were, that were before you. They persecuted them. And there's a blessing and you can be happy and not worry because you're in good company. And because there is a reward that God has for you. So we see that we're to, first of all, be happy, be joyful. Don't worry. Secondly, is in verse 15, he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now, the word sanctify means to set apart for a special purpose. Set apart for a special purpose. The New Living Translation says, worship Christ as Lord of your life. Now, for those of you that are older, and remember the the Campus Crusade, Four Spiritual Laws, little booklet, this is where the picture of the heart is there, and there's, there's seats, thrones in the heart. And the, and the saying there is to place Christ on the throne of your heart. That's what Peter is saying to them, that if you want to be prepared when persecution comes, we can be joyful. We don't have to be in panic. We don't have to be frantic and see persecution going on around us. Because and the second reason is because we have placed God, a supreme and sovereign. He is on the throne in our heart. To me, this is key. This is key to being able to walk in hope and to walk joyful and to walk purposefully in the days in which we live is because God is my Lord. He's sovereign in my life. He's sovereign. That anything that happens to me has is, is got to come through his hands first, guys. It's got to come through his hands first. That's, that's what he's saying here. Trusting that God, that Christ is in charge. No matter what my eyes may be seeing, no matter what my ears are hearing, no matter what my senses may be telling me is happening to the, around me in the world around me. It's the knowledge, the sure knowledge that Jesus Christ lives in my heart and is supreme and sovereign. Look at the, there's a couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 13, verse five and six. Look at this. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who said that? Huh? Jesus Christ. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can you say with me? Jesus will never leave me. Say that. Jesus will never leave me. Jesus will never forsake me. Jesus will never forsake me. Come on, I want everybody to say this. Never leave me. Jesus will never leave me. Jesus will never forsake me. He won't abandon you. He will not leave you. You will never, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and he is Lord of your life, Lord Supreme living in your heart, ruling in your heart, you are not going to go anywhere where he is not there already. That is awesome. That is key. Sanctify, set him apart as a someplace special in your life that he's Lord. Be happy. Don't worry. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. The third thing, third truth that I believe helps us prepare and be prepared for persecution if and when it should come is this. Have an answer, and it's verse, uh, part of verse 15. It says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. With meekness, I believe, is with, in, our, in our reaction to people. We, uh, we were to do it with, with humility, not as a know-it-all, not as a braggart, not in a brazen, abrasive manner, but in gentleness, 
and meekness, part of the part of the fruit of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. That's that's to be our attitude. And then in fear, not in fear of what man can do, because we've already looked at the scripture says that won't fear what man can do, but in fear of God. Psalms one eleven ten says, "The fear of the Lord." And that word there is uh, is is an awesome reverence. It's a respectful reverence. The fear of the Lord. Now. I hate to say this in, in light of my two children, Zach's here in pages in the nursery. Maybe she don't have a TV on. But uh, early on, you know, and, and uh, they don't give you, you don't get a manual how to be, how to be parents. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we kind of, we walk through that thing. And, and we, there's this camaraderie that we have, everybody that's been parents. And now there is the joy of being a grandparent. My son, almost on a weekly basis, something will happen. And, and Zach or Paige will be disciplining their kids. And I just smile. And inside, I'm thinking, God, you are really good. <laughs> and every grandparent here understands what I'm saying, okay? But there was a time early on, that, you know, our kids, and, and they had probably gotten to the age that they needed discipline, you know, about 10 or 12, I don't know, no, earlier than that. But, um, and I would smack them, you know, I would smack them. And, and one day I went to, to smack one on the, on the bottom with my hand, and they drew back. And, uh, and Barbie, the wisdom of Barbie, and she probably heard this from, I don't know, what's that, focus on the family? Who's that, uh, Dobson, probably Dobson, because he has a lot of good stuff. And, uh, and, you know, don't make them afraid of your hand, man. You want your kids to love your hand. So he said, we got to get a spanking spoon. So we got those wooden, you know, those wooden spoons. And they got a big spoon, but the little, little handle about like that. And that's good. And Barbie says, you know, she, read, she said, now, honey, the way you do this is you don't grab it like that. You grab it with two fingers and you spank them. And it'll pop and it'll blister and it'll get their attention. You know, it'll pop them. That gets their attention, uh, you know, but you won't bruise them. So we carried spanking spoons. For, so for years, while our kids were growing up stage, Barbie would bring a diaper bag, and in our diaper bag had this big wooden spoon sticking out of it. That was a spanking spoon. She still got her drawer at the house, and the grandkids are there. And now Taylor's two, and Zane's three, and sometimes Taylor will go get the spanking spoon. You know? So the God's here when it says that the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about fearing God's hand because he bruises us and wounds us. That's not what he's talking about. It's not talking about recoiling and drawing back, afraid to approach him. It's talking about a healthy, awesomeness, holy reverence for who he is. He's God, and he's not to be trifled with. He's not to be messed with. You don't pull anything over on him. You can fool Pastor Jeff. You can fool Pastor Jerry. You can fool your adults or parents, but we never fool God. And so it says that the fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom. And so as we look at this, that we're to have an answer. Now look at this, of the hope we have. So we, have, we, do it with, we do it with meekness toward people, with fear and reverence toward God. But notice something, and I love this, a lot of people use verse 15 as, as, a, as a prompt for our apologetics. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. A Christian apologetics, you know, having an answer, know why you believe what you believe, okay? Uh, but he says we're to have an answer to everyone that asks us of the reason of, 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 a reason of hope. That's in us. Notice what Peter is not saying. Peter is not saying we need to be able to answer every question about every religious and spiritual matter. (laughs) That's a big one. Sometimes if we aren't careful, especially, Jeff, when we're pasteurized, uh, uh, and, and some of you older people, if we aren't careful, people ask us these questions. And we'll just start, blah, 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 blah. I've done that before and I've got to enough and they walk away and I thought, 
what in the world did I say and what did that mean? What did that mean anyway? And I'm sure they felt that way. Sometimes you know, we think we're supposed to know the answer. Man, it's so refreshing to say, I have no idea what that means. But, you know, let's, let's, let me see if I can, let me spend some time in God's word and pray about it. Or, or a lot of times I'll say, I don't know, but call the youth pastor. He's supposed to know that stuff. Uh, uh, notice what I say. We don't have to have an answer for every deep, big question. But we need to know why we have a hope. We need to know who our hope is in. Guys, right? In school? You need to know that because if you don't know that, you don't have to know every, you don't have to, listen, relax. You don't have to know all the big answers. You don't have to know all the religious answers. You don't have to know all these things. You don't, you don't have to know who, where Cain got his wife and how all this, don't have to be able to explain all that. You know, there's people that can and I, I, it's awesome, but he's not saying we have to know all that, but he's saying, especially as we prepare and become preppers, I'm hung up on that. Be a prepper. You can be a prepper. That's a... That's a Dr. Pepper commercial. You can be a... a, a anyway, as we do that, we're to, we're, we're to be happy. Don't worry. We're to sanctify the Lord in our heart. Put him first. We're to have an answer of those who ask us of the hope we have with meekness and with fear of God. Number four, look at this, is, is in verse 16. King James says, have a good conscience. I put have a clear conscience. Have a clear conscience. Guys, this is important. Uh, but the good news is, is in, as we look at God's word, look at this. I believe before we can stand boldly before men, we have to be able to stand righteously before God. Look at 1 John chapter 3. You need these verses, guys. All of us need these verses. Dear, dear children, uh, I love this. Somebody came up after first service and said, man, I want to know where that scripture was. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. This will preach, whether you're preaching to kindergarten kids, to high school kids, to church kids, to grandparents, or to great, 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 great grandparents. And what's it saying? It's saying we can say one thing, but what we do Speaks more loudly than what we say. What we do needs to verify. Let us show the truth by our love. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Now look at this. So we will be confident, confident when we stand before God. Look at this. Why? Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. Folks, if I ask you, how many of you have, have done things that we are so ashamed of, that we, 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 we sure say, we're so ashamed of, we, don't, we hope they're never mentioned, we hope they're never brought up. I mean, we can't believe that we've done them, and we're guilty. If I ask, if I ask most of our hands would go up, and mine would be the first one. Be the first one. And the enemy plays off this. The enemy, the enemy uses, the enemy, which is Satan, right? He's, he's Satan, the devil. The scripture says that he comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. Satan, uh, scripture calls him the father of lies, okay? And so Satan understands this weakness and this guilt. And he tries to get, to, 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 he tries to use this guilt against us. Now listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ has, if you've confessed your sins and he's forgiven you, 
Romans 8 says, when he forgives us, his Holy Spirit comes and lives in our heart. Okay? It's a clean heart. 1 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if any person is in Christ, now look at this, they are, I, I love it, God love y'all. I, yeah, these, these guys have been up a lot longer than we have. They, some of them got by on two hours sleep last night. They're praying for the service right now. <laughs> I just love it when you drool. I, I'm a drooler. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a drooler. I am when I sleep. I, you know, after I sleep, go, bless them, Lord. I mean, just, that's all right. And we'll just, where was I? All right. First Corinthians says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new, what? Creation. What's new? Behold. What? All things. All things. All things. Can you say all things? All things. I don't hear you. Can you say all things? All things. One more time. All things. All things are new. Every sin Every stain, everything that we're embarrassed about, everything that we have failed horribly about is forgiven. God has put it away. We're free. We're forgiven. We can stand in a clear conscience, not because of what we've done, but because his grace was extended toward us. His mercy was extended toward us. And he took the blood of Jesus Christ and applied it to our lives. And we're a new human being. That is glorious. And we need that. We need to know that. We need to be sure that we understand that. As we prepare for the days of opportunity in which we live. Man, we need to be happy. Don't worry. Sanctify the Lord in our heart. Put him there. Know he's on the throne. What was the next one? Third one there. Have an answer of the hope that we have. Have a clear conscience. Flash, flash, flash. That's finally the last. Last thing. The last thing, number five, is we need to remember the cross. Remember the cross. Here he says in verse 18, he says, uh, for Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Chapter 2, 1 Peter, just back up chapter, chapter 2, so powerful. Pick up with verse 20 of chapter 2 and look at this. Uh, could, could do verse 19, but I've, I've missed, God love you, you're all so good by the time I got here. What I do to poor Craig sometimes with, with, with scriptures and the, the order that I'm going to have them and everything, and after, after first service, he said, came up and he said, you got your scriptures that I can have, can I have your notes? And I, and I said, sure, and so, so before service started, I said, did you put my notes back? He said, yes, but just so you know how I felt first service, I've mixed them all up. <laughs> I said, bless you. <laughs> bless you, I know that. All right, we're gonna go with we're gonna go with what I've given him in verse the chapter two, verse twenty. Look at this. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God's pleased with you. For God calls you to do good, even if it means suffering. And you can interchange the word persecution with suffering if you want to here. It doesn't do any damage to the text. Just as Christ suffered for you. He is our example. You must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally 
carried our sins, my sins, in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Back to verse 21 when he says that he has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. You remember this many years ago now, but some of you are old as I am almost. There was a book written for, and it was from that verse 21, and the book was In His Steps. Remember that? In His Steps. Listen, as Remember the Alamo became the cry for the freedom of Texas. Remember the Alamo. Remember the brave men who fought and died there, who bought time so that the army, so that Houston could get the army to, to win the freedom of Texas. Remember the cross becomes our cry of remembrance. Remember the cross, that Jesus Christ was persecuted. He suffered. He died a martyr's death on the cross for my sins and for your sins. And he did not retaliate. He did not respond, re, re, respond in an in in inappropriate manner. And I believe we see in him all these truths lived out. I've got a picture, and I, I love it, a picture, one picture of Christ, and he's smiling. I, I, believe, I believe Jesus was, uh, you know, he was, a man, he was acquainted with sorrow. I can hear Jesus belly laughing. Especially, guys, if you're hung around some of the guys he hung around with and read some of the things they read, you've you, you got to know. He's had to lie a few times about him, you know. I'm, I guarantee you that, just, just life. Uh, he, he, he could be happy, blessed. I don't believe he worried. Now, did he not feel the weight? Yes, he did. In the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed before he's going to be crucified. Sweat great drops of blood and said, Father, I don't want to, you know, this is bad. This is bad. It's going to be hard. I don't want to die like this. But do you remember what I said? Nevertheless, what? Not my will. What? Thy will be done. You know, he had, God was, his father was sovereign. He said, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. God was, you think God was sanctified in his heart, set apart? Absolutely. You know, we see all these truths. He had an answer of a hope he had. And he wanted other people to see that. That answer that he had with them. Um, neat things. Neat things. Well, by allowing these truths to be a part of our attitude, our minds, the way we think, and a part of our actions, our walk, what we do, why we do it at school, why we do it on the job, why we do that at home. By, by allowing that, I believe that we can... Prepare ourselves, can be a prepper for the time if and when persecutions may come. Well, just uh, as we're going to close in some prayer with, um, with uh, a further persecuted church, and I've, 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 from Anise and Jim Buckman, and so aware of them, they, they jotted down just some focus points as we pray for our brothers and sisters today that are persecuted whether they be in Washington State, Texas. And I'm convinced for every story that makes the national or the international headlines of persecution, there's multiple others that never make the headlines. We don't know about, but our Father in Heaven knows about every one. Whether it's a seventh grade girl in Texas 
who's now having to stand up for her faith. Whether it's a, a, a service veteran who fought for our freedoms who's now has lost his job because he prayed silently, but it was in public. I'm thoroughly convinced if Coach Kennedy had walked to midfield and had, had probably smoked a marijuana cigarette or had kissed another man in the lips, he would have probably been held because he was bold in coming out. But instead he knelt quietly and gave thanks to his father in heaven and he lost his job. But he said, that's my, that's my freedom, that's my faith, and they can't take my faith. As we pray, what, what's our focus? One, pray for those who are persecuted, that they will not be overwhelmed by fear, but filled with boldness, speaking words of faith in the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the discernment of those being persecuted to hear clearly the leading of the Holy Spirit in making decisions of whether to leave their homes and their countries for safety's sake, or whether to stay behind knowing that they may be martyred if they stay behind. Pray for wisdom for the pastors in these countries in these difficult places of persecution. Some pastors are faced with a decision today of whether or not to leave with their families or to stay behind and shepherd the flock who's most likely going to be, a lot of them are going to be killed. Big decisions, tough decisions. Pray for wisdom. Pray for those who are persecuted that they can love and forgive their persecutors. One of the, uh, one of the uh, Christians in one of the Muslim countries says, we, we will show our enemies that we, love, we can love them more than they can hate us. Listen to Richard uh, Wombrandt, the founder of uh, Voice of the Martyrs. And he was, in, he was in prison, in a communist prison, and he was tortured and beaten. His body still bears the marks of Tremendous torture. Listen, this is his, I'm quoting, this is from him. It was in prison that we found the hope of salvation for the communist. It was there that we developed a sense of responsibility toward them. It was in being tortured by them that we learned to love them. Wow. Wow. Pray for those in the persecuted church that they would have the joy of the Lord's strength in the midst of their sufferings. Pray for courage for those who are imprisoned today in Iran. What is it? The Pastor Saeed, many other Christians around the world. Some, again, we don't know, but again, God knows everyone who are imprisoned um, for their faith. Uh, Another quote from Richard Wormbrandt. I, this one I kind of get tickled at. It says, uh, and this is from in his book, Tortured for Christ, he said, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught preaching the gospel would receive a severe beating. A number of us Christians, this is him talking, a number of us Christians decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted the communist guards' terms. We were happy preaching and they were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. <laughs> but you see the mentality. You see the mentality. Gird up your minds. Get your attitude. Get your attitude on. Folks, when I, when, when, I, and when I look at this, when I look out here and I see the youth of this congregation, I kind of feel like they're leading us with this mentality. And I want to tell you the kingdom of God 
The kingdom of God will go on and prevail and the gates of hell cannot prevail against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. And pray that we, as believers and as followers of Christ, would have a sensitivity to the Spirit of God and an understanding of the Holy Spirit of God that when he says, when we see something on the news or when we read something or, when, when, or just when the Spirit says pray, that we pray. Sometimes he may say pray about this. Sometimes it may be pray for this situation. Other times it may just be pray. And in the days in which we live and the days that are right before us, we need this tenderness. We need this sensitivity. When I say that, we need to hear his voice and know his voice, and we need to respond quickly. Do it now. Pray. Pray that that's who we would be. Minute men. Isn't that what they call the, in the American Revolution, people who could be ready in a minute? Isn't that what it was? Minute men. Ready to, to fight. Minute men. Christians for the Lord. Minute men. In a moment's notice, we don't have to have a minute. Moment's notice. We'll be moment men. Moment people. That sounds, I don't know, probably could do that. Join me as we take this to the Lord. Um, this morning has been a message that God's spoken to me, a message of truths to prepare us. You may be here this morning and you may not be a Christian. Let me, if you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, let me say first of all and foremost, you need to be saved more than anything in the world. Because if you think that not being a Christian is going to exempt you from persecution and trials that are ahead, you're wrong. You're wrong. But there may be coming time, and I'm asking you, count the cost. I'm not asking you to join the love boat. Okay? I'm, I, 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 I'm that, expecting that you're going to be loved. I'm asking you to join the love boat that you're going to give his love, no matter what the cost. So if you're here and you're not a believer, I would encourage you this morning to say, God... You love me that much. And if Christian men and women are willing to go to that extent and to that length to share the gospel, it must be worth living for. And anything that's not worth living for is not worth dying for. So you need him. But if you are for those that are saved, and after you pray that prayer and ask the Lord to come in your heart, let's pray for these. Father, we come into your presence this morning and continuing to thank you for who you are. Lord, for the truth of your word, that, Lord, we don't have to go to 50 different websites or the 50 top websites for preppers to know what your truth is. We go to your word. And your word gives us that truth that prepares us to put our faith and trust in you and allow your word, Lord, and allow you to be set apart in our hearts and your truths to indwell our minds and to lead us and to guide us and to help us stand stable and firm in the storms that rage around us. Lord, this morning, we would pray for our brothers and sisters and are in Christ. So we don't know their names. We don't know the countries, but you know every one of them. And Father, today, I know that we have a reward that is great, and one day in heaven, we will be with them. But now may our prayers, Lord, go before you, that you and your presence would be so real there, making them bold, making them strong. Lord, and I know it's okay, you understand when we pray for them to be delivered from horrible persecution. Lord, I don't want them to have to go through that. I don't want these children to have to go through what they go through. 
But God, help us to keep our focus in mind that it's not all about just here and now, but it's eternity. And there's a great reward reserved. And you've promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Be with them. Father, help us to be men and women of love. Help us to be men and women of faith. Help us to be men and women of prayer. For without it, we're nothing. In Jesus' name.